law against what God does. He, he is the law. He's the lawgiver. And he also obeys his own law. And he raises up people who do the same. So when we talk about the unlimited access of the watchman, what that really means is that God will send you anywhere, anytime, any place to do anything that he wants you to do. Anything. Uh, there uh, in scripture covers this you know the bible tells us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel well you know that many people won't do that they'll want <clears throat> everything to come to them uh, i know we've had uh, people that come into this ministry oh i've been reading your stuff on the internet for four years and i finally got here and you know god of course tells you to stay in fact he told you for four years to go and you didn't obey him. Then when you got there, you found something else to do, you know. So it's it's just that way. You know, many people, uh, you know, they're like the rich young ruler. Even though they're broke and poor and busted and disgusted, they feel rich within themselves because they don't put enough of a value and a high enough priority on the will of God. It's hard for people to see themselves as servants we all want to see ourselves as masters. We all want to make our own decisions about everything and think twice about some things even after we've committed to them. So this, there is a warfare uh, over your soul to make sure that you don't do the will of God. See, the devil wants you to make sure that you don't do the will of God. He'll give you a lot of excuses for not obeying God. You know, Paul said, I'm a slave to Christ. I'm a slave. I'm indebted to preach the gospel. He said, I'm not working for any kind of reward. I'm working to pay off debt. You got me? And so when you understand the great price that the Lord has paid, uh, what, is, what is what we have to offer? It's a small thing. Because God's very, very generous. He'll let you, he'll take your free time. He'll take your cast over time or, or castaway time. What's left after you do what you want to do time and, and use it to uh, prepare you and mold you and shape you and give you revelation and things like that. He'll take your leftover finances. Many of us started out giving to God by giving what was left over after we were sure we could take care of ourselves. And then later on, we moved into faith. You know, some of us are still teetering back and forth between faith and, and the natural. So God doesn't really uh, lower the boom on us, so to speak. You know, it's not like he's heavy handed or anything like that. He's loving and he's gracious. And he really wants us to do things from our hearts. And he wants us to obey us, uh, obey him from a pure heart and from a heart that's not grudging. It doesn't feel you have to do something or God's mad at you or he won't take care of you, won't do something for you, that kind of thing. But he does reward you as you're faithful. And so really you write your own ticket with God. You, you write your own uh, way with him by what you offer up to him. So in, in talking about our unlimited access to the provision and the equipment that God has for us to use, I kind of liken it to uh, what you would see in a natural 
watchman, like a natural policeman, night watchman, or a military person, uh, the fact that they have access to uh, um, equipment that they may need for specific tasks as they're proficient in it, that's the same thing God gives us. But we have unlimited access. You can receive anything that you need from God to do any task that's in hand to do for the Lord. So the watchman has unlimited access to the spiritual equipment necessary for watching over and protecting God's inheritance. So we're the serve and protect arm of the kingdom of God. We are, are allowed this access whether we're watching in personal or extra personal or outside issues. So if you are praying for your own personal need, you have unlimited access. God is not holding anything back from you when you are praying for a personal need, nor is he holding anything back if you're praying for uh, an outside need. And I think people really need to get the idea that Serving God means that, you know, you can pray for other people, but somehow you don't need to pray for yourself. Let's forget that nonsense. You got me? Because if the devil takes you out because you can't pay your bills or he keeps you stressed out because you're sick in your body, what good is that? And so we need to have a healthy uh, body of Christ and a healthy understanding of how intercession works. So God sees no difference. If you're praying for you, your family, you're praying for a neighbor, you're praying for the White House, for the mayor, for the governor, uh, uh, for your school system, he sees no difference whatsoever. He honors faith and he honors confidence in, in him. And so we can pray for our own personal issues or the issues of others with the same confidence that God will give us total access to everything that we need to accomplish the job. A watchman's faith is an all-access faith. It will encompass any area. So it's not like there's something you have to pray for and it'll never get done because you're not qualified. Just forget that, okay? Uh, if you're not, he'll send you somebody who is. If you don't have it, God will link you with somebody else who does. He'll make sure that help comes to you to supply that need. So we have access to all of the spiritual equipment, all of the spiritual revelation, knowledge and assistance necessary to accomplish whatever tasks. Now, you need to understand how uh, a request comes to you as a believer. Some of the things like the things that we pray for in this ministry are outlined by God as an assignment to this ministry. But Anything that God wants you to pray for comes as what we call a burden to pray, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. So your assignment really, indirectly or directly, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes you might seem feel yourself to be more burdened for certain things at certain times than others. And I can tell you from my personal experience, when I... Uh, I just don't have food on my mind. Just rare for me. I watch Food Channel, Food Network. You know, I watch 
I mean, that's all you can watch as a Christian. You know, you watch a Christian program. Some of them I wouldn't watch because they're crazy, some of them. You know what I'm saying? There's really no safe place to go but to something to cook or something to dial your house up with. And so if... <laughs> But I, I can tell when I'm burdened for something because the desire for food just leaves me. It's been that way since before I was saved. If I was upset, I'm one of those people, if I'm upset about something, I don't eat. Just can't, can't make me get interested in it. And so when I, when I have burdens, I know within myself how they're coming if they don't, if they don't lift after prayer or pray in the spirit or share it with Pastor Shirley or something like that or somebody, it still lingers. And then I know I'm burdened further. And I just walk in that until God gives me a release from it or I pray some more if that's my part to do. But I know personally that I have picked up that request from God and carry it. Now, you guys have the same, you have a similar experience when you pray your prayers with your prayer partners. Most of you can't just not pray with your partner and feel good about yourselves. You know, if you do, you've gone along down the road a long way. You understand what I'm saying? Because the conviction of God comes on you. If you miss your prayer time, the Holy Spirit will tell you, he'll remind you so that you have a burden to pray, but you don't perceive it so much as personal. Because it's spread out among many people. And so there are many times when people will, will just not get in touch with their prayer partner and they go for a long, long time without doing it because that burden is picked up by other individuals because everybody here is responsible for praying it. But the Holy Spirit will remind you that you are committed to pray, that you get, you know, a devil gets in there. This is what he does. He gets somebody with a, they, they need to come to me. Why do I have to go to them all the time attitude? That's always, you know, it's so cheap. It's, it's terrible. It works, but it, does, it still works. It's a cheap joke. Like I used to say, it's an old joke, but it's still working. You know what I'm saying? It's a cheap trick, but it works. Because he gets people in some kind of pride, fictitious uh, self-worth thing where they feel like if I have to call my prayer partner more than twice, that means fill in the blank, you know. And so what you have to do is make up your mind you're going to do it regardless. If I have to beg my prayer partner, you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to get my prayer done. Because it's assignment, it's an assignment from God. That's why you do it. It's an assignment from God. It's not just a couple of old chicks cooked up a book and, and making us do this. If you don't perceive it as something that's valuable, worthwhile, and coming from God, then you need to go to God and ask him to help you find respect again for the work of the ministry you understand me you we have to get beyond somebody's making me do something or i'm doing all the i'm the one that calls all the time and they never call you know that's so cheap the devil you know he he, he works it when when people start feeling that little either something's going wrong in your life or something's going real good in your life he'll get you both ways and so when things are going real good in your life, you feel like you're on top of the world. You don't need to pray. You feel like it's not important. You know, you say things like, well, uh, I missed before. 
And what you're really saying is, and, and God didn't send me to hell. So you think as long as you're still walking around and you don't smell your shoe leather burning, you feel like it's okay not to do these things. You see what I'm saying? That's a deception of the devil. Because he'll do that with everything that God gives you. See, if you let him do it with your prayer assignment, he'll do it with your, your uh, health. He'll do it with your pocketbook. He'll do it to steal from you whenever he wants to. And so we have to understand that when we're given unlimited access, that means we have unlimited responsibility in God. You can't miss your prayer assignment. You want your life to get screwed up real quick. You get your, your soul in a web of condemnation and then uh, 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 stiffness where you don't feel anymore. See, you don't want to get there. So you want to be the type of person who can perceive a burden, who can walk a burden through and carry it to its just end, to the place where God wants you to take it. You take your assignment all the way. That's why there's so many analogies in the Bible to uh, um, uh, foot races. Those who endure to the end, lay down, uh, laid aside the weights, you know, and the sins that so easily beset us. Let us press on to the mark. Let us uh, run this race with patience and finish the course. No man can strive if anybody strives for mastery as to do it lawfully. You can't cheat. So that means you can't skip prayer and think you're striving lawfully. You've got to you've got to stay in there and do what you're assigned to do. So if you want total unlimited access, you got to have unlimited accountability. You got to be accountable to God for what you're doing. He doesn't just you're not you're not fine. You ain't everything. You know, God has not been waiting for you to come into the earth so he can show everybody else how this is done. You're you're a servant but of the most high God. See, you're a servant, but of the most high God. See, it depends on whose you are and whom you serve. That makes all the difference in the world. It doesn't matter your position in God. It doesn't matter what role you have to play. It's just, just that you're in God. You see, that makes all the difference in the world. That's a high thing right there. And, and we don't even know it sometimes. <clears throat> so our, our, our position entitles us to that. See, if you're in your position and you're being faithful in your position, then you're entitled to it. God is faithful and he will give us more access, more equipment, more revelation, more knowledge, all of that. God really honors our position as being seated in heavenly places in Christ. It, you know, if you're if you know how to live positionally in Christ and you understand that anytime the devil rears his head, you smack him and you're faithful doing that. That'll get you access. You start getting passive on the devil and letting him get by with this and let him get by with, Oh, well, that's not so bad. Well, I know some people who do that and they okay. And you know, uh, -uh. yeah, you can't, you can't judge God. You can't judge his word. That's what gets so many, a lot of these twisted up preachers we see that used to really preach really good and were, were doing great things in God. And then we see them go off the rails and start preaching some kind of heresy. That's how it starts with compromise, see? And they don't pick up the burden correctly and carry it. 
and 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 as a matter of of um, you know policy or a matter of uh, of their standard set a standard in God and hold to that standard their standard wavers and so as a watchman you can't let your standard waver like my father used to say kill every roach you see you know and he was playing cards when he did it and beating us playing them. Huh? He'd, he'd uh, have trump cards, and we'd be sitting there across from him, little kids. Daddy, daddy, let us play. Daddy was whipping us upside down. And what he said, you better learn. He said, because I'm, I'm out for blood. He said, kill every roach you see and just take all your cards, and, you know. But you learned. <laughs> you learned. <laughs> but you don't let anything escape. The day my daddy got soft was the day he quit being daddy. You understand? It was a principle. He won every time he sat down to do something. He did it to win. You got me? And none of this soft stuff. He had four girls, but he treated us like little men sometimes. He loved us and all of that stuff, but we wasn't going to go out into the world and get walked all over. You understand me? So praise God. We were taught to win. And, you know, if you, your feelings got hurt, save it for another day. Suck it up. And you don't want to play another hand? You can play another hand. But if you're going to cry, next. <laughs> Somebody's here to take your seat. And so when we understand our position this way, then we understand that as we take our position seated in heavenly places in Christ, we actually have access to his throne as those who who uh, come alongside of him to do his bidding, you see. And so we have his vantage point. If you're seated in heavenly places, you have all access to spiritual information that you will need. He gives spiritual information to responsible people. He doesn't give it to people that like it to be sensational or gossips. Or people that want to talk about, you know, what they saw in this, all this nonsense, you know, we, shenanigans. We, we, we passed that road, that fork in the road so many years ago. And so we know that there are people who live off sensationalism in their ministry, especially when it comes to spiritual warfare and spiritual things. I can remember a, a woman that got very big in ministry and still is. Based on a testimony, she said she had that she was uh, in a prayer meeting and she and some more people were praying. And this woman who was into witchcraft dropped dead. Well, I don't know that that's anything really to brag about. You know, you want to believe the woman got saved, but it will shock you how she skyrocketed in ministry after that testimony got out. And we don't know that her prayer did it. You understand what the God I serve is a merciful God. You know, he ain't big on just killing people. He, that, that used to be a covenant that there was, but he couldn't get anybody to carry that one out. You understand what I'm saying? People in themselves are a little more merciful than that. And so we have to be careful how we handle the information and revelation that God gives us because the minute it gets in your flesh as something unique, exciting, that's going to get you some attention, you start spreading it like that, it'll start backfiring on you. You'll find God doesn't give you as nearly as much revelation as you could get if you handled it with care and handled it with dignity 
and handle it respectfully the way God wants you to handle it. <clears throat> Many times I'll see people say things in their little blogs and their little teachings on the internet that I know are just incorrect scripturally. I don't fuss with them people. I just don't read their stuff no more. You understand me? We're not to strive with people over every little thing. I'm not called to correct them. But as long as I'm being responsible and operating in the revelation he's given me, then I'm being responsible with what? You understand what I'm saying? What I have. I see people, right? Uh, we getting Jezebel out the church like he's talking about some person. I want to say, well, what about your gay pastor? How come he can't have a Jezebel? You know, I mean, you want to tell people that you just don't say it. Because why would I waste my time dealing in the sensational when those people probably are not doing much with their prayer life? They're not doing much reading the word. They're just copying what they heard somebody else saying and trying to get a bunch of attention for it. And so you, you, there's a lot of overlooking you have to do when you do this kind of work because not everybody's called to understand it. Not everybody's going to want to understand it. And not everybody's going to walk in the revelation and, and use the revelation that's given to them by God. They're just going to, you know, probably read some prayers and think not too much else about it. You know, as long as I can keep my job, keep my roof over my head, I'm pretty satisfied. Well, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just one of them people ain't not. Not sad, never satisfied. The devil's got too many people out here wrapped up and in bondage. And look at all the drug. I mean, come on, folks. People living under bridges. And it's worse than it was during the Depression in many ways. They had hobos and people, but those people mostly were looking for work. We got people don't even look for work anymore. They just look for something to steal so they can take some more drugs and just nod out and just not be a non-person. And so there's a lot of work to do here, folks. I'm not just, you know, waiting until I can, can uh, you know, get to that place where I have so-and-so and such and such for me. I want to, to labor until all his enemies are made his footstool. Every single one of them. The drug devil has made his footstool. You know, all of them. <clears throat> and so we have to pick up the Lord's cause and pick up his vision for what needs to be done in the earth. As a watchman, everything that goes on in the earth is potentially your business. You can get involved in anything that goes on on the earth. And you can intervene on the Lord's behalf. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ and, and pretty much on a level field as far as understanding, gaining equipment, gaining access. But he is still the head of the church. He is Lord of all. And so we take our orders from the head of the church so that we can be successful in everything. God wants us to be victorious. He's ordained victory for us. He's ordained it. So it's pretty much a done deal as long as we listen to him and we're led by the Holy Spirit. In Habakkuk 2, we find the watchman's position and the level of faith that he must attain to in order to do his job. In Habakkuk chapter 1, it talks about the evil that's upon the earth that the prophet is, is observing. He's seeing that evil people seem to be winning 
Uh, they seem to have free uh, reign in the earth. Uh, it seems like there's no judgment against them, but he knows that there's a God and God judges the unrighteous. Sound familiar to anybody? You know, right now we've got laws being enacted and, and laws that we have are being challenged by people who don't want God involved in anything. And they're aiming all of their anger against the Christian. And so they're targeting the Christian to put us in a second class position so that we can't function. We can't. What they want to stop is the preaching of the gospel. See, if they can twist it, if they can twist it and get you to say that good is evil and evil is good, then they can put you over in a box somewhere, neutralize you and say, well, that one's out of the way. That one's safe. We don't have to worry about that one. You got me? And so what the watchman does is he has to observe from God's vantage point. You actually see things the way God sees them. And you see the chaos on the earth. And that's what Habakkuk was looking at. And he was saying <clears throat> that um, uh, the Lord was, was holding his tongue when people were dealing treacherously. Where was God when all this evil was going on? And then he says in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand upon my watch. He realized that the problem is not with God, but the problem's with him. Hello? See, what God's in heaven on his throne. He put us here to stop this nonsense. Why would he get upset and come down from there when he got us down here doing probably 10% of what we're capable of doing? You understand if that. And so he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. It's almost like he comes to his senses all of a sudden. He's there complaining, where is God, and what's God going to do, and look at how, isn't that the way people talk now? Look at the schools. We can't pray in schools. We can't do this anymore. We can't do that. Look at all the, uh, the beatings in school, all these uh, kids with cell phones recording beatings on school buses and all this kind of stuff. And, and where are the watchmen? Where is the body of Christ to stand upon their watch and talk to God about it like it's your job. You got me? You talk to him about it like it's your job to do something about it. And then he will put the equipment into your hands to do anything and everything that you need to do to make sure these things reverse and make sure they come to the conclusion he wants them to come to. See, he likes people who want to sit up and, and want to just whine all the time. He'll get you your words to turn in on yourself. You'll convict yourself sitting up there talking and, the, you know, if the Holy Ghost turns that conviction on you, you'll feel bad yourself complaining about what's going on. And he said, I will set me upon a tower. That means in the in a realm of the spirit where you have a good vantage point. Your vantage point is both um, uh, observational and that is gaining information. And it's also protective. Because if you're in heavenly places with Christ They'll have to get through Jesus to get you. Now, you got to understand that, and you can't be so scared about everything. You can't be so fearful about yourself. You can't be so concerned about what's going to happen to you and when you're going to have this and when is this going to happen. You can't be concerned about that because as long as you are concerned about you, that lowers your position. 
You got me? You ascend with him. He descended into the lower parts first and then he ascended with all power and we ascended with him. So he humbled himself before his ascension. And that's what you do. You humble yourself to him and to the word and then you ascend. If you're exalting yourself by being concerned about you and wanting to make sure you got this and you got that before you can work for God, you, you lose your position. You diminish. Knock yourself down from your exalted place. You're not just there because the Bible says you're there. You know you're there by the results in your life. If you're not getting the results you need to get, then something is, is probably wrong positionally or something is wrong faith-wise. But you have to resist the temptation to argue with this concept about your position if you're going to pray and be successful praying. People sometimes get discouraged because what they think is very important for them hasn't happened yet. And every time you do that, you reduce your ascension. You got me? You know, you can do it so often and so much, you become what I call a bottom feeder. You know, all you do, God's, God's ordained you to sit at the Father's table and eat the King's food. But because you are so concerned about you, well, you know, the last time I prayed for something, God didn't get, how come I don't have a job like so-and-so? How come I can't get a raise? How come I can't get a promotion? See, you keep, with every question, you keep lowering your position until all you want to do is feed off the bottom. You start eating the scraps of begging people to pray for you where you used to have a prayer partner in a set time and you had full access. Now you got to ask somebody. You know why? Because you let the devil play with your mind. See? You let him play with your mind and he played you out of your position. He played you out of your seating. Because many times people are so concerned about them and when something's going to happen for them. You know, you almost hate to see, you know, some of these people always feeding the body of Christ. Oh, God's going to do this for you today. No, he's not. You know, sometimes you want to just shake everybody and say, no, he ain't. I have it on good authority. You're going to have to get your faith together. You're going to have to get your believing together. You're going to have to sow some seed. You're going to have to do the right thing. What are you doing to make sure it does land in your They're nothing but making beggars out of the king's children. And you don't think people are going to have to give an account for these little words they keep sticking up there on the internet every hour on the hour? Huh? The first person it won't happen for is them. If it's not happening for you, you should know it's a delusion. So why are you feeding it to God's children? See, anything to diminish us, the devil will do anything to diminish us from seated in heavenly places in Christ with full authority, 
full understanding of who we are, full confidence in God, full confidence in our right to be there, full confidence in our ability to manage our lives from that position, to doubting when it's going to happen and thereby diminishing and lowering our position. Huh? When compared to a natural watchman, the natural, like a night watchman who's on duty in a facility, say it's a, a business facility or something like that, his duty is to prevent theft. It's protective, totally. So if he's there and nobody's there with, but him in that facility, his primary purpose is to prevent theft. If somehow something's stolen, then he just either loses his job if they find him accountable for it or something like that. But he has no power for recovery. We have power for recovery. See, we're the only police force that is called to prevent theft and loss and life and that kind of stuff. Plus, we have the power of recovery. That's why the devil's always playing with your mind about you know, something must be wrong. No, devil, nothing's wrong. You wrong. Huh? Something must be, see, it's taking too long. How come, well, you praying all the time. How come you ain't got so-and-so and so-and-so? Yeah, devil, because I don't live for things. I live for God. I live out of every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And right now, I've been eating the word this morning, and I will rip your head off if you keep talking to me. You understand? And so you have to make it your business to let the enemy know that you're not living for you anymore. The devil's biggest, biggest thrill is to get saints living for self again. Drift off, thinking about... Well, I, I need to get this done, and I need to have this, and I haven't done this. And drift off. You need to position yourself correctly, and stay positioned correctly, and tough it out. And if if you don't get what you've been praying for for thirty years, if the Lord comes and you don't have it, you got me. You don't ever change your position, huh? Well, devil, I'm going to stay up here. I'm a, I'm a king's kid and I know where I belong. I'm certainly not going to be down there feeding on the bottom with you. And you're a bunch. Huh? See, one mistake can make you a bottom feeder. Just not handling it right. You got me? can turn you into a person that, you know, you lose your joy. You, you don't want to rejoice when you see, you know, somebody gives a testimony and you sit there and listen to it and roll your eyes at somebody who's just as nutty as you are. You got me? It, oh, yeah. You stop rejoicing with those who rejoice. Huh? Then next you want to rig something fake so you can pretend to be rejoicing about something you say God did for you and he ain't really done nothing for you yet. <laughs> the bottom feeding. 
You know, you go through something that's that's a tragedy, but it's a common tragedy. Yeah. You, the devil makes you think you're so special, different. Yeah. For you, it's different. You know, would be careful about being different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you want to just be okay. Right. Did you realize okay is okay? Yeah. I mean, it really is. <laughs> you don't have to be extraordinary. You don't have to be. Ex- you can be okay and be okay. devil gets your mind all screwed up and and wondering about this and wondering about that and then when you know you get under the word and you get preached the answer then you offended like that couldn't be right you know because see i've been doing that all along now that couldn't be right why she always on that subject because you always doing wrong in that department it's either you or somebody else huh you know some stuff preaches good all the time Staying away from sin preaches good all the time. I mean, you know, there's always going to be somebody that either was tempted, going to be tempted, (laughs) wanting to be tempted. Just repent. Quit throwing throwing your your God-given life away. You know, God gave you this life to live for him. We haven't seen a, a fraction of what's capable out of the, the body of Christ. Because every time somebody gets a little head up, they get stupid. You know? And people make them stupid. You know, church people will make you stupid. You start advancing and you start making some progress and you have a bunch of them flocking around you, acting like you've, you've just walked across Lake Erie or something, you know? <laughs> like you don't have a car no more. That's how you get everywhere. Because sometimes we have nothing better to do. You know why? We're not about the Father's business. See, if we get about the Father's business, we wouldn't have time to make each other stupid. Exalting each other or putting each other down. You got me? We'd be doing the right thing with our time, our energy, our money, all of our resources. We'd be doing the right thing with it. So the devil wants to pull you down from the position that God has placed you in. If he can get you wondering, wavering, compromising, unsure. Now, stay in the word until you know that you remember that. Know that you know that you know. Used to say that back in the day. We stay in the word until we got there. We knew what there was, too. We didn't try to skim through the word and go around pretending like we had it. You had to stay with it until you knew that you knew that you knew that God was going to do a certain thing for you. Amen. And that's the faith of Abraham. He he hoped against hope. He knew that he knew that he knew, you know, and it didn't bug him. See, when you get there, time don't bug you. Who else has something more than what you have don't bug you? Your age don't bug you. Nothing bugs you. That's a dangerous, you're a danger to the devil. Man, when nothing matters to you no more, but loving God and being where, when none of that matters, man, he might as well, he, you know, hide the butter knives from the devil because he's going to kill himself right in front of you. So we are a recovery force 
in the kingdom. Not only are we there to protect, prevent theft, but we are recovery force. We enforce the rules of God. You got to know what the rules are. The rules are no crimes against children, no crimes against the elderly, no crimes against, you know, some, some sweet mother comes up and says, well, my boy is getting ready to go to prison and could you pray for him? Well, you better tell me what he did for us. Because we praying for people like him to go to jail first. And the little thug he ain't done nothing but stole all his life and stealing from you and got you worried and worked up into a nub. Do you realize jail might be the best place for him? Listen, the Bible is full of apostles, prophets, and all kind of folks that went to jail. You tell me your boy too good to be? Uh, some of God's best people have been there. Some of his chosen people have been there. Be careful your sweet little friends that always want their boys out of they, my baby in trouble. Mm-hmm. You aiding in the betting. <laughs> so you can't, you know, you be careful how you agree with people. You know, sometimes all they want is somebody that knows God to say, okay, or I understand. Well, sister, I'm going to pray. Why don't we see what God wants to do? That scares people to death. What you mean? See what God wanted to do. Um, that's what I thought, you devil. If you're scared of God, there's something wrong. God can do nothing but good for your kid. Hmm? So the natural night watchman's duty is to prevent theft. If theft occurs, somebody else recovers. But we are recovery team. We know that from David's experience at Ziklag. He recovered everything. Even that wife he didn't like so much. No one that always got a headache, or if she ain't got a headache, she don't want to cook the chicken, or you know what? Yeah, not a one. Even got her back, and them kids of hers. See, it doesn't matter if you're personally invested in it or not. It's a principle. It's a principle. You got me? The principle is the devil's a thief. You have the authority to stop him. So you stop him and you get everything back. Hmm? So you recover and you don't stop until you make sure it's all been recovered. And it's all been accounted for. If it's not recovered as far as you know, God's peace about it. You can talk to God about it and he'll give you his peace and let you know your part's done. You got me? And keep believing, though. Keep believing. There have been people that that we've prayed for for years and wondered how they were doing, you know? It didn't really bother you that you didn't know, but sometimes God would just favor you and bless you to let you see how these people had turned out, let you see what they were doing, let you see how they were doing. See, that's recovery. Because you're called to recover and God will make you aware when that recovery process has been accomplished. 
We are also a preventive force. We are here to prevent, prevent the advance of the enemy's power and infiltration in certain areas. What the devil likes to do is do something so outrageous we get stunned by it. You know what I mean? By where your, your senses are suspended and you can't talk and you don't know what to do. That's what he likes. He likes to stun people. Now sometimes you may not move right away on a problem you're aware of, but as long as you're not wondering what to do, it's, it's more like you're waiting for God to tell you what to do and how to move and when to move. And if he doesn't give you anything else, you keep doing what you've been doing, hitting at that thing as much as you can. And then if he gives you something to add to that, he'll tell you what else to do about it. But we're never stunned and we're never upset and we're never, you know, outraged. I mean, you know, we are for a minute. But, you know, you can recover and you can understand that God has a plan for recovery. God has a plan for making it right. God has a plan for these things. Because once you understand and get a decision on it from God, then God will, will move and God will do something. You got me? He'll do what he needs to do. I'll give you a simple example. I was, we were looking at, uh, we were praying for Sarah Palin when she was first uh, running for vice president. You know, her church had sent out a video and asked for prayer, and we found out she was a spirit-filled Christian and got a lot of persecution, still does. But I started to see where she, was, she would react when they would talk about her children. And see, I could see a setup with that little girl or the little fast one, Bristol, And so one day I was sitting there and I saw her with her own reality show. And I said, Lord, would you please get her off television? And maybe like in in, within that same season, she never showed back. I said, don't put her back on again, because if this woman is called by God, if her mother's called by God to do something and the devil is using her seed as a snare for her to always stick her foot in something because her kids don't know how to be Christian children yet. Then you pray the seed of the righteous. They're going to serve God. They're going to hate the devil. They're going to hate sin. They're going to live godly and righteous. They will not beg bread. All that stuff. You you line that up for this individual. So then their child's obedience frees them up then in a greater way to do the will of God. You got me? Without being hindered. And so those are simple examples of things that where God will give you a burden for things. You see, this isn't this is not good. You know, this ain't shaping up the way you want success to shape up. And God, what do we do about this? And then when you get an answer of what to do, then you go ahead and put that in force. See, that's your unlimited access to the equipment that you need to take that thing down and get it out of commission so it's not a snare and a trouble to people. And so these are things that you can do with in in God. Anybody can do this. You get godly sick of looking at something stupid, you put a stop to it. We put a stop to these things. We have to sit up here and look at these people degrade themselves and and, and degrade the ministry. You're a minister and somebody else is a minister and they're pulling it down and you're going to sit there and watch it and shrug your shoulders? I don't think so. Get them off of TV, too. they all doing it for the money. Yeah, we got a prayer for that. 
They will not preach for the sake of filthy lucre, but they'll preach of a ready mind. That means that they're under the anointing. And when God tells them to get up and preach, they preach and they're not looking for money all the time. All the money grubbers can hit the road. Because that's the biggest problem with most of them. It's covetousness. They want something that they don't have yet. And the devil talks them into some goofy way to get it instead of using their faith in God to get the things that they desire and the things that they need. So we're all we're a part of a spiritual recovery team. No other police force has this power. In in the natural, they have to separate power out from different groups, different branches like you don't give one branch too much power. But that's not true in God's kingdom. You can have all the power you need. To make complete recovery and make a complete and utter end to whatever it is that's harming people. How do we have access? In Matthew 16. Matthew 16. In verse 19, Jesus tells Peter, I will give unto thee the kings of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now that's God backing us up, folks. That's God backing us up. So we have keys and we have authority because out of Jesus' mouth, He tells you he will back you up. So whatever you let happen, you let happen. And he'll have to go along with it because you let it happen. Because you got the keys. Huh? You have the keys. And he said whatever you don't let happen, he'll stop it. Because you have the keys. But you have them. He doesn't anymore. He has the backup power. And he has all power, but he doesn't have keys. People on earth, church has keys. And so those keys allow access for events, allow access for activities. Whatever goes on down here, it's because the people with the keys let it happen. Now, there are a lot of Christians that don't even believe this is they really let's see God don't mean that literally well you just go to the back of the you know you go to the back of the line we don't want to talk to you we want to talk to people who are interested in doing things see when people start to dispute the fact that the church has authority and power that really means that they don't want to do anything so you can waste your time talking to them or you can spend your time with people who believe this and just want to know how to make it real You got me? Yeah. And so when you find people who believe it and want to know how to make it real, then you got some people to work with. But if people want to argue it and dispute it, well, you know, God don't mean it like that. Well, how does he mean it? Let's see, I think, no, we didn't ask you what you thought. And so whatever we allow on earth is allowed in heaven or by heaven. 
whatever we disallow. Now, you have a lot of scripture that will tell you that that's true. Power of life and death are in the tongue. You can have what you say. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So when you, when you make your decision on how to move on things, the way to get heaven to really back you up as much as possible is to always agree with God's word. Use God's word as your standard. Just take a stand with God on his word and you can feel confident that God will bring what he's doing, what you're doing or what you're saying to pass. So we have the keys to the kingdom just as a natural watchman has keys to his domain. But our king is the king of kings and Lord of all. So when we function as watchmen, we bring the authority of God's kingdom with us. It's not just a little parcel that we're uh, protecting around here. We bring to bear all of the forces of heaven that are necessary to carry this thing out. Every spiritual force, every spiritual access, every spiritual gift that's necessary is made available to us so we can carry this out. Unlimited access, unlimited ability, we have that. Now, how do we use the keys? Well, they are used as we need to have access. So as you need to have access, you use the keys of the kingdom. So if you're praying for somebody and they have a spirit of infirmity, you use your key to disallow that to continue in their body. So you speak that out. You take authority. We use the key to the kingdom where you want to bring health down to them. And you unlock the door to health with your words and with the power of the anointing. Whatever you speak to allow it to happen is allowed to happen. Whatever you speak to cease happening will cease happening by the authority of your own words. And so we're used, <clears throat> these keys are used as they're needed to have access according to the burden of God to recover or protect his interests in the earth. Now, God is interested in everything, but everything is not, uh, I would say, scheduled to be moved on immediately. Some things are held in a place of, of uh, uh, no advancement before victory comes. You got me? Just as a, an army will, will say, for instance, you're, you're fighting in Iraq and you come upon the enemy and the enemy's firing at you. Well, if your resources are limited, all you can do right now is hold the enemy off for a while and prevent him from advancing. Oftentimes our prayers are like that. You start praying for healing. You, you, start, you stop the enemy from advancing in your body. And if you hold that line and you don't get swayed by what you feel, oh, it doesn't feel like that's working and it doesn't feel like it's stopping. Well, I'm still feeling pain. No, but you stopped him right there. He's not advancing anymore. You stopped him, see? And heaven backs you up because you'll get an understanding at some point to continue to do that and not to stop. 
if you're doing it in faith. Now, if you're just playing around and joking and stuff like that, trying to see what happens. I remember someone that had come to our meetings and they, they seemed not to like the fact that the meeting was so long, you know. And uh, even said that, well, I just got in line and they were laughing. I, you know, sometimes when people make fun of things, it's offensive to you. But, you know, you try to be polite and all that kind of stuff. I just got in that line. You told people to come up and, and you laid hands on them so we could heal people. And I went home and I did this. She had, God did two miracles for her. And instead of her building on that, she just kind of let it drop and let it go. And, you know, it's kind of like a funny joke to her that that happened that one time. See, religion can make you real stupid. You understand what I'm saying? And so if you, if you don't understand that once you step into that arena of using your keys, your keys are real. And when you tell the devil to stop, he has stopped. I don't care what you feel in your body. I don't care what you sense anywhere. I don't care what you think. Because he'll, he'll play with your mind again. See, that's all he does is he keeps pumping your mind full of nonsense. And if he can get you to quit advancing, then he's got you. But see, I feel like this. Once it's out of your mouth, it's working. You don't have to have a sign. You don't have to have a nothing. All you have to do is have obedience. See, we're going to have to learn how to get stuff on raw obedience and cut this nonsense out about feeling, anointing, stuff we don't know nothing about. Be something different if we knew something about what we were talking about. See, God puts it into us in the simplest way. Just obey me and look for the results. Huh? It's working due to the fact that you obeyed the word of God. That's what makes it working. You got me? You don't need confirmation. You don't need a witness. You don't need a sign. All you got to do is learn how to walk in obedience to God and not look for feeling and touching and sensing and waiting to see if it worked. And I, it works. When does the word of God not work? If it worked to save you, it works to do everything else. My goodness. What do you keep putting God's word to the test for? It works. Our problem is we don't have enough people obeying God. We got people obeying people. We got people obeying each other. We got people obeying everything but the word of God. Because if you grab the, the word of God and start using it like it's your job, not like you're doing it casually, but use it like it's your job. This is my job to stop theft. This is my job to stop this. This is my job to stop this. You ain't running around here casual trying to see if something is going to see if it's going to stop hurting. You never see nothing. This is a faith ministry, man. This is you use you'll do more by faith without seeing nothing serving God. Like he told Abraham, grow up. Oh, yeah. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Huh? Grow up, Abraham. Come on now. You know me better than that. I made you rich and did all this stuff for you. And you gonna sit up here and still want to give me some business. Grow up. 
Isn't that what the scripture tells us? Move on to maturity. Not laying again the foundations of the doctrines of the church. My goodness, how many times are we going to talk about salvation and baptisms and grace and mercy? And all? Come on now. Can we move on to maturity? What's maturity? Uh, taking the keys to the kingdom and doing something with it. And cut the nonsense out. Cut the shenanigans out. Get authority over your tongue. Get authority over your mind. Get authority over your Twinkie eating. Guilty. You understand? Working on it. But you understand? We moving on to maturity. Let's get up off of this stuff. Arguing with people about the same old silly thing over and over again. And people are going to hell every day and you don't even know how to witness to your neighbor. Everywhere I lived, all my neighbors are either saved or scared. The scared ones we still pray for. You got me? But you, you're there to do a job, folks. You're not there to shy away from your job. You're there to do a job and press into God and find out how to get it done. God, I got a, a bunch of keys here. Now, some of them I know pretty well. But it's one on here I never used before. Or I use it every now and then. I don't use so often. Maybe I need to get more. Let me go on to maturity and learn how to use this other key I got here instead of using the same ones over and over again. Complacency. Get complacency. In order for you to use another key, you're going to have to come out of yourself. Come out of your comfort zone. Come out of your fear. Come out of your excuse making. Well, I tried witnessing to them. They just mm, try again. If they still smile at you, you haven't got there yet. They need to be scared. They need to know you're coming for them one day. <laughs> and they won't be able to hide anymore. Uh, if they're still hiding, just move on to maturity and go look at some of them keys you don't use that often. Uh, go into some of them doors you don't go into often. Where you put yourself on the line. Where you might be made fun of. You might have the door slammed in your faith. You might have hostility every time you come home because they don't want to see you. But you got movement. Huh? You got signs of life. You got signs of life. So what are some of the keys? And some of our keys are intercession. That opens the, the kingdom to us. Either the prayer of agreement or the prayer of faith. Types of intercession. All kinds of prayer. The laying on of hands is another key that opens up the kingdom of heaven. Opens up healing to people. Miss Donna was sharing a testimony where she began by taking bread to people in her apartment complex. You got me? And so now she just mentions to them if they want prayer, let her know. And almost everybody asks for prayer. God's healed people. You understand what I'm saying? 
that's using keys, folks. That's moving on to maturity. So they call her the bread lady. And I'm so glad she's a part of this ministry. I can't tell you how overjoyed I am that she takes her time to do that and busts out of complacency and gets mature in God, where she's fearless, you know, where sometimes, you know, in the past, maybe there was fear there and there was reluctance. Now she's fearless. She steps out and does it boldly. You understand what I'm saying? Confidently. And she knows God is with her. You got me? And if nobody ever got healed, she'd still offer the prayer because God's moved on. She does it by faith. You understand what I'm saying? But when you do it by faith, you get God's results, don't you? Praise God. And that's what we do, folks. The laying on of hands is a very important key to God's kingdom. Some of us are so busy trying to get hands laid on us. We don't realize it works the other way. Huh? You got me? Sometimes all you have to do is ask people if, if you can pray for them. The Holy Spirit will make them feel comfortable with the laying on of hands. You got me? But this should be done all the time. All the time. Every time God gives you an opportunity, look for opportunities. Take a minute to pray to get that key in your hand. You know, prayer puts the right key in your hand. And just let God know you're available. God, I know there's somebody in here today that does either doesn't know you or is sick or needs to get to the meeting or needs to have more understanding. There's, some, there's a need out here every single day, God, every day. And you make it your business to be the one. That's what unlimited access is. You can go any day, anytime, anywhere, pray for anybody, anything. Huh? Because God has granted that to you. Some of the other keys are special miracles. You can, you can get God to perform miracles through a prayer cloth. It's a great ministry. Oftentimes people will take things like that. If they won't let you lay hands on them or maybe you don't feel comfortable doing that, just tell them, you know, this prayer cloth, it's blessed. I, you know, you can tell a Catholic it's blessed and they'll take it. You can tell a Baptist it's blessed and they'll take it. You say, it's been prayed over the power of God's on this. This is blessed. You know, you shoot them all the same. Whatever you, you know, think is going to get their attention to grab it, you shoot that to them. And let them understand that, that they can get a special miracle. By exercising their faith that the power of God is on that for healing and on that for deliverance. So the key of special miracles you can use. Most everybody in here has used some of these. We need to use them more often. We need to use them every day. The kingdom should be open to people 24-7. See? 24-7 access. Yeah, another key of, to the kingdom is instruction. God will open the door for you to instruct people in the word and how to get things done. People, don't wa people want results, folks. They don't want lectures. You tell them how in as few words as you can. You don't want to quote somebody, tell them what Bosworth did or what Wigglesworth did you you ain't wiggling worth and Bosworth and nothing with these people because they don't know anything about that they're like the blind man 
They even asked if, if he knew anything about Jesus. He said, you know what? I don't know nothing about that man. And I could care less is the implication there. He said, what I do know, this morning I was blind when I woke up, but I can see now. And that's really where most people are. They don't care about your doctrine. They don't care. Some people may ask you after, after you talk for what, what church do you go to? See, they notice somebody, something different. They didn't been to every religious hellhole there is, and they haven't got any help. But you talk different, you're bold, and when you speak, God shows up. So they want to know where you came from. Because you didn't come from the same place everybody else they know comes from. So instruction is sometimes necessary. You may have to instruct someone before you pray for them for salvation. If, they, if you feel sense that they would benefit from reading scriptures every day, if you've got some scriptures handy, you know, you can instruct them. Just, just take it like medicine, you know. Three times a day should do it, you know, just like the doctor would order. As the Bible says, the word is medicine. You do this and God will heal you through his word. That's it. And so when we give instruction, make sure that you understand that people don't need overload. They don't need information overload. We have free access to any and all methods of healing. Free access, folks, to any and all methods of healing. This is unlimited access. If somebody needs a creative miracle, God will give them one. If somebody needs a, a, a healing gift, he'll give them one. If, he needs, if they need to walk it out and, and walk with you, he'll give it to them. You got me? And just make sure there's enough anointing to keep them interested in obeying you before you get started. You know, other than that, you'd be dry walking somebody is what I call it. I did that when I first got started. So that's a mistake you don't have to make. You got me? Make sure the anointing is there and the Holy Spirit is telling you to do that so they can, it can sustain them to get their miracle. There are some places where special miracles, you know, you'll know because your faith is prompting you to continue with things. You got me? It's not, you can't go beyond where God's power is and God's anointing is. There are certain things that you can do to draw people back into the anointing of God so that they can get their miracle. Sometimes it's just a matter of them staying with it and you being smart enough. See, when it says you have all access you don't believe you have access, don't get involved in, you understand what I'm saying? You got to believe that God will deliver. Amen. If you get involved in it, he won't stop with you until he delivers on your behalf. And so you, this is what makes you stay with it. And this is what makes you, you help people uh, to get what they need. And so when God gives you all access, that means that you have all ability to do all things in obedience to the spirit of God. See? You can, there are some people that will come to the altar and I know it's going to be a walk and I know it's going to be a distraction. You understand what I'm saying? You just feel that stacked against you, but that doesn't prevent you from going forth because your faith says go forth. You got me? And so you stay with what your faith tells you to do. Now there are some people that come up and they'll get it and it'll hit them and they'll run all over the place and you can't stop them. That's wonderful. I wish they were all like that, but they're not all like that. But people can get their healing 
if you understand that you have all access, that God will deliver, and you have the keys. You, if you never use the key, you'll never know what's on the other side of the door. You'll never know what's on the other side of the door. And so, you, you know, when I say things like that, I know some people don't really pay much attention. They're so used to skipping over. But I believe today you need to stop and think about it. Think about the people that you could pray for that could receive healing if you use that key. Think about the people that you could pray for to receive Christ if you use that key. You know, I pray with people. I've talked to people and I'll, they'll be talking about the things of God or something like that. And I said, have you ever prayed to receive Christ? Did anybody ever tell you about him like that to receive? Well, no, I don't think I have. It'll shock you, the people who have never received the Lord. They can talk about Jesus. They can talk around the things of church. They can do all of that kind of stuff. But you need to really zero in because that's the key that he's given. We have access to eternal life on behalf of all of humanity if we will use it, you see? And sometimes we just want to, don't want to offend people. That's our biggest, you know, it, when they wake up and the soles of their feet is burnt off because of hellfire underneath them, then you'll realize an offense is a small thing in comparison. You got me? If they're saved, they're saved. You, you've met a brother. You understand what I'm saying? But there's no offense here, you know, that, that God can't recover you from. You think God can't help people if you say the wrong thing sometimes or you mistake when they, whether they're saved or not? You, you have to find that out. You know, you're not just walking in, in word of knowledge continually where you would know it. You, you need to be able to find these things out. And once you understand that they haven't received Christ, then you take your key out. You got me. I got a key for that. I got a key to get us into that door. That's a door of access to you because you never know when when their time is up. You just don't know. You have no way of knowing. We have this thing about us sometimes. We think it's okay to put things off forever. Like, you know, well, this isn't that. Some things are crucial. You know, they, they they just really are. I remember that 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 gentleman that uh, I think I was sharing about it about the gentleman. Remember, I went to see my dad the last time he was in the hospital, and he even know who I was. Well, you know what I'm saying. It's like, man, what am I doing here? I said, Daddy, could you please say my name? Hi there. So you know, he just thought I was some chicken there. You know, I don't know. If he didn't owe me no money or nothing, he's cool with me being there. He's just, you know, he's there. Until finally I picked up on this conversation on the other side of the curtain. You understand what I'm saying? And, and we looked for that man. Didn't Sheree, didn't you go and look for that man to give him some information about? And she couldn't even find him. I mean, like, no trace of this. He wasn't in the same room. And it was the next day. And we wanted to follow up and give him. You don't know if he left in a body bag. You got me. You don't know how he got out of that room and where he went from there. But you have to zero in because you know what? My daddy ain't talking to me. And right now he don't know who I am. And to be honest with you, I don't really care. I'm just trying to figure out why did God bring me to this place? But I know I got a key for what this brother needs right here over here. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to take my key out. 
and I'm going to use my key. And so you use the keys that you have that you know are appropriate to the situation. You have access to hear and to warn. Ezekiel 3.17. Whenever we tell people to receive Jesus and offer it, that's a warning. See, that's a, a veiled warning in a way. They don't perceive it. Well, they're threatened by it because a lot of people get scared. You know, they don't want to talk to you anymore. You talk about that serious stuff about receiving the Lord. You know, they really don't want to talk to you anymore. But <clears throat> you know when people haven't received Christ that they're in danger of eternal judgment. And so Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 3 16, it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, I've made you a watchman to the house of Israel. So that's God's covenant people. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warnings from me. So watchmen warn. Got me? And he says, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you give him not warning and you don't speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. So what you're doing is you're giving people warning that their sinful life is meriting eternal judgment. That's a warning right there. And that's something that we need to make sure. That's why he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That gospel, preaching the gospel sounds a warning to people. And I'll tell you how I know it. You ever see where people on television will say, well, do you really, when they find out somebody's a Christian, do you really believe that if somebody doesn't believe in Jesus, they're going to hell? And people sit there like, uh, well, you need to say yeah. And just get it over with. And be ready to show them a scripture. You got me? And so when you understand that what you're doing is sounding an alarm to people when you ask them to receive Christ... It's a silent alarm because it's going off on the inside of them, but it's also offering them eternal mercy if they'll receive it. You got me? And so that you're offering them a way out of eternal judgment, but at the same time, you're letting it be known that if they don't take this opportunity and they don't take this as their uh, way to salvation, if they don't receive it, then what's going to happen is that they put themselves more and more in danger of eternal judgment. And so these warnings have to be sound all the time. If you see somebody in their wicked ways and you don't warn them, they will die in their sins. You got me? Norval Hayes had God make him buy property in Florida. And God told him, he said, people come down here to die. They think they're going to retire. He said, they come down here to die. He said, and many of them have run from me all of their lives. He said, and I want you to set up a ministry for these people. And before they die, they have a chance to receive me as a savior. You got me? And so there are times where it's eminent that you tell people, that you warn people, that you let them know this is your opportunity. This is your chance. Sometimes people who never come into a church will suddenly show up in a church. And the minister will get the, the sense that if they don't, they will die. They go out and get shot or something like that. So this thing is real, folks. It's real. And so watchmen have to have a sense 
of both urgency for obedience and also timing for how long people might have. Of course, you don't want to encourage anybody to put it off. But you want people to understand that God wants them saved, he wants them healed, and he wants them well. So our keys can get us access through intercession. They get us access through the laying on of hands, some of the tools that we use. All of these things are types of keys that we have access to all of the equipment that we need to do whatever it is that God wants us to do. And I think we need to expect of ourselves that we do more for God, not less. That we take more opportunities to meet people with the gospel, to meet them with the truth of God's word, to meet them with the healing power of God, to meet them in any way that we can with more of what God has. Because certainly there are people out there who are dying every day without the benefit and without the blessing. To say yes to the Lord. And this is why the devil heats it up so hot and gets people so hostile against Christians. Is that he, want, he wants Christians to have the reputation of not being loving, of not being kind, of not wanting to do things and not caring about people. And so the more he can twist and lie on us, the easier it is for people to push us aside when we come to them offering them the greatest gift that they'll ever have, the greatest mercy they'll ever have, is the ability to get their sins purged, washed, clean, the slate wiped clean, be a new creature, not an old thing that you've been all this time, but a new creature in Christ. I remember uh, 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 Mother Wright used to visit at the hospice and she would love to go in to see AIDS patients. And see, when people start telling you things like, well, the church, we've been hard on the homosexual. We haven't been loving to the homosexual. You just wait until people are really ready to receive Christ and see if God doesn't send the right people to do the job. And she would go in and she would find uh, homosexuals are dying of AIDS. She said many of them had been in and out of her church. And she would find out that they were sick and she would go in to see them. And she would tell them something like, oh, I know, you know, you, all, you, you can't shock me with what you can tell me that you've done. But you tell Jesus right now. He said, he'll take this dirty old body of yours and he'll wash it white as snow. And she said, they'll cry like babies and ask for the Lord and receive Christ on a deathbed. And then she's able to know with a certainty that she did as much as she could to preach the gospel. See, God's got people everywhere, folks, to do his work. Don't let people try and blow your mind and discourage you telling you the church is a bad church. We're bad people. We're mean people. Uh, we don't know how to love people. There's no love in the church. Don't let the devil lie to you. You got me? Don't let him lie to you. The devil's deceived people like that before. <clears throat> Someone I know that was in the church all of their life as a young person. And the devil started telling them that there was more love outside the church than inside the church. Whenever people make statements like that, they're on their way to being backslidden. You start judging God's people and you go down the toilet so quick it'll make your head spin. It's just true. It's true. You don't judge his body. You don't judge his bride. You don't judge his beloved. You don't hang a label on people who love God. Amen. What you need to do is you need to start measuring up a little bit more in your life. Amen. 
You understand what I'm saying? Because there's something a little screwy there. There's always this inferiority complex people carry. It makes them judge their brethren and not see them as, as members of the same body. They see, see them as somebody foreign or somebody, you know. And she was telling me, she said, well, I married a man and he was a sinner. And so it took her many, many years to admit this. She said she believed for him to be saved for many years. But she uh, wound up divorcing him. And she told me recently, she said, well, I divorced him really because he was never faithful to me. I said, what do you expect a sinner to be? See, you judge the church and you say the church has no love and then you go out to a sinner looking for love and you get what they have. Well, God's proven his word to you. Huh? God's proven his word to you. See, he can't deny himself. When he tells the truth, he tells the truth and it'll show up. It'll be verified as the truth one way or the other. Whether it helps you or hurts you, it'll be verified as the truth one way or the other. He can't deny himself. So when he tells you what, what, what concord or what fellowship does light have with darkness, you need to ask yourself that question. What am I doing over here? What fellowship do I have with a sinner? She said a week one he was out all night. Never came home almost the whole marriage. He can't deny himself, folks. You start believing lies about God and his people, he'll show you what the truth is. Now, you can be on the blessing side of the truth or you can be on the hurting side of the truth. But he will show you what the truth is. See, you live with a, a, a cheater, a fornicator, adulterer. You understand what I'm saying? Because you set yourself up for that by judging God's people wrong. See, we have to stay on the right side of truth, folks. I don't care if it's a hard pill to swallow. You got to swallow it. You got to swallow it. And you got to understand that you'd rather stay with God's people and suffer their bickering, backbiting, or whatever they, you think they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. Like you're so perfect. Huh? But you'd rather be there than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Because, see, the devil can find somebody to treat you so low. You wish you were in the congregation of the righteous again. See? Huh? You wish you were in the congregation of the righteous again. So we have keys, folks. Total access. Unlimited access. There's nothing stopping us. From winning everything to Christ that he wants won. There's no job too big for us. There's nothing out of our league. There's nothing too big to aim for. There's nothing impossible with God. He's looking for people who will do the impossible with him. He's not looking for ordinary. He's not looking for people who want to argue doctrine all day long. He's looking for people who will get up and do and bring him back some fruit. Amen. That's what he's looking. He's looking for fruit producers. Why don't you put on some music and I'll pray and, and we'll receive the offering after I do. 
Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, you've given us power. You've given us unlimited access to all things. You've given us help. You've given us understanding. You've given us the heavenly host. We have angels that go before us, prepare a safe way for us to journey on, prepare an accurate word for us to deliver when we minister for you. Lord, we thank you, Lord God of heaven and earth, for total and unlimited access through the gifts, the anointing, the ability, the access, the word that you've given us, Lord, that we have full and total access. Nothing is off limits to us as we work for you. And we thank you, Lord, that this is a good work. This is not a work we cannot do. This is a work that we can do. And we thank you for it, Father. We bless you, Lord. We magnify you and we praise your holy name. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord. We lift you up. You're worthy to be praised and adored. <clears throat> we love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Praise your holy name, Jesus. We praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I take authority over every distraction from the call of God and the work of the ministry and the preaching of the gospel, Lord. I take authority over that in our lives in Jesus' name. And I say that we will go forth more. We'll preach more. We will do more. We will not pass believers on the street, in the workplace, where we live. We will not pass them by, Lord, without first questioning in ourselves and with you what their need is, Father, what their need is. Lord, anybody can strike up a conversation with somebody to be friendly. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us the ability to be friendly and to gain access that we might be able to save one, to heal one, see one delivered. That we can minister to the whole man, spirit, soul, mind, and body, Lord. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord, for unlimited access to your throne room. And we bless you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. We lift you up, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Come on, corporate man, declare. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Let's sing that again. Hallelujah. Every voice in this room. Just let go, God know you're available. Oh, yes, you, you know, you're so not too busy. Lord, we thank you that we're not too busy. We're available. Father, I thank you that we'll learn to focus on you like Moses did. He saw a bush that burned, but it wasn't consumed. He stepped aside to look. Father, I thank you to help us to step aside to look and see what's going on in your kingdom. Nothing's stopping us, Lord. We have the keys. We have them. But we just need to be more attentive to you so we have greater opportunity to use our keys, Lord. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. You'll put somebody in our midst this week. Two people, three people that we can share you with. That we can pray with. That we can see healed. That we can see delivered. We thank you for that, Jesus. We bless you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Now, before we receive the offering, there are a couple things I want you to do this week. When you think about it, ask God to put it in your remembrance to thank him for healing baby Amaro and thank him for healing Sean. Sean is Miss Marcia's uh, daughter's fiance and he has lymphoma cancer and they haven't given him much encouragement and much hope. But we are still using our faith, our keys. We have keys to release healing to these two individuals. So use your keys this week to release healing to them. Praise God. Oh, yeah, okay. This is Lyndon? Okay, all right. How old is Lyndon? 